TUC Radio, Time of Useful Consciousness. How Science is Manipulated by Industry. With Professor Yogi Hendlen and Ari Witten. When this conversation took place in April 2022, Ari Witten and Professor Yogi Hendlen had just met in Costa Rica and were inspired by their common interests. Here are excerpts from their 90-minute conversation on environmental toxins and how they affect our health. They discuss in detail how industries that produce these toxins manipulate research and evade responsibility. Ari Witten is the founder of The Energy Blueprint and a best-selling author. Here's his introduction of Professor Yogi Hendlen. Hey everyone, this is Ari. Welcome back to the Energy Blueprint Podcast. I am very, very excited for today's guest. His name is Yogi Hendlen, and he is an environmental philosopher and public health scientist. He has a PhD in environmental philosophy from the University of Kiel, Germany, and holds graduate degrees from the London School of Economics and UCLA and bachelor's degrees from UC Berkeley. He's currently an assistant professor in the Erasmus School of Philosophy, core faculty of the Dynamics of Inclusive Prosperity Initiative, and academic lead of the new MA in Sustainability Transitions at Erasmus University, Rotterdam in the Netherlands. He is a research associate in the Environmental Health Initiative at the University of California, San Francisco, working on the chemical industry documents and fossil fuel industry documents. He's worked off and on at UCSF since 2006, both as a pre-doctoral and postdoctoral researcher in the Department of Medicine and Center for Tobacco Control Research and Education, focusing on topics such as public health policy, corporate malfeasance, and conflicts of interest, uh, which is what we're going to be talking about heavily in this conversation. So with all of that said, Yogi, um, you're an expert on the science around environmental toxicants, their role in human and global health, and the nature of big industry in terms of influencing that science. Can you give a broad overview of, of the work that you do? Sure. Thanks so much for having me on your show, Ari. Uh, it's a pleasure. I really appreciate the work you're doing, too, to keep people healthy and um, to help you know go to the root of uh, how to stay healthy in a time when it seems like everything is stacked against us to be healthy, right? Um, we have, uh, yeah, climate meltdown. We have an infectious disease pandemic. We have currently a war going on in Europe. And we also are living in a time of peak exposure to chemicals. You know, we had the first and second world war, which really buffed up our military industrial complex uh, which largely was tr driven by mining and uh, chemical exploration. So we have a lot more toxins in our atmosphere. And even those of us who are living uh, very privileged lives are still exposed to these toxins. You know, we are porous animals as humans, and there's no way we can live in uh, personal commodity bubbles, even if we live in nice places. And that's one of the things that I really look at because it's very easy to think that 
you know, if we buy the right things, if we, you know, drink, I don't know, bottled water or live in nature, that we're going to be safe. But the fact is, in our air, our water, our soil, and the temperature, right? This, this is really elemental. It's like four elements stuff. Um, we are being exposed to immense disruptions, mutations in our environment, which of course are impacting our organisms as humans. Um, so that's one of the things that I really look at. I call it based on this emergent subfield industrial epidemics. Mm -hmm. And I don't just confine that to, um, you know, cancers and heart disease and diabetes from, you know, high sugar consumption or smoking or exposure to petrochemicals. I see it as impacting every aspect of our life. For example, the coronavirus itself uh, hitches rides on environmental pollution. So every time we're driving our cars, we are in essence contributing to particulate matter, PM 2.5 it's called, which is the perfect carrier uh, for viruses. And so until we clean up upstream, you know, at the very most fundamental levels of our social design uh, of how we get things done, uh, we're not going to actually solve the problem. It's just going to be in a thousand patches and people are going to be wondering, you know, what went wrong and why we're all getting autoimmune diseases. So I want to get into the heart of why you're here. And for everybody listening, you know, you, you have such a diverse educational background and as far as what you're interested in and what you teach about. But for my audience in particular, there's, there's a couple big lessons on what I want them to get from you. One is the sort of the nature of environmental toxicants, which you've touched on a bit, how widespread they are and what effects they have on humans. And the other aspect, which I really want to focus on is how industry corrupts science. This is something that you've done a lot of research in for many, many years. So can you give maybe a broad overview? How should we get into that, that topic? And uh, you've co-authored a paper I'll also mention called the disinformation playbook, how industry manipulates the science policy process and how to restore scientific integrity. This is, this is such an important topic because I've been shocked really in the last two years to discover how many people just don't understand that science is not science and that depending on who's funding it, has, it has a major impact on things. So I'll let you, you know, I, I, that was, that was a very general sort of overview, but I'll let you kind of explore and, and educate on those topics piece by piece. You have co-authored a paper on tanning beds. It was a systematic review of the research on tanning beds and uh, look, examining the nature of industry influence on the results of those studies. What did, what did that paper find and, and what kind of lessons are there, broader lessons and that maybe we'll talk also other examples of? Sure. So um, just to answer your previous question, and then I'll answer that one because I realized that, okay. yeah, the disinformation playbook, my, my apologies, um, I was lucky enough to partner with the uh, Union of Concerned Scientists, you know, some of their top research scientists to, to work on this paper. Uh, they've done an incredible work at showing how industry at every level uh, does impact science. And um, I can actually, um, let's see, uh, share screen. This is one of the slides from our paper, uh, uh, Reed et al. 
And it talks about how science can protect the public from, you know, from, uh, from grifters, from what Adam Smith called the rentier seekers. That is people who are trying to extract value out of commons and to sort of privatize the profits and co collectivize or you know nationalize the uh, the harms right the effects the costs and so there are many different intervention points which uh, which industry can interfere and that includes um, faking the science uh, you know we have uh, looked a lot at um, industry funded funded science um, at this uh, UCSF uh, repository of previously secret industry documents. This is how I got into the business of uh, understanding conflicts of interest in science. And it's called uh, industrydocuments.ucsf.edu. I'll give a link for that as well. And we have 100 million pages of previously secret documents of the tobacco industry, the food and beverage uh, industry, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, uh, including um, opioids and you know the sort of follow from the opioid epidemic, uh, the chemical industry and the um, fossil fuel industry. And what we see is that a lot of these companies, like for example, ExxonMobil, will knowingly fund high profile scientists at you know top institutions in order to yeah, fake the science to get findings that are diametrically opposed to what they actually know from their own non-published private science mm -hmm. that these industries do. Because the, I, I have to be frank here, the science of these massive transnational industries is far better than public science because, well, they don't have to play by the same rules. They're not publishing it. They're keeping it private just for their own internal use. An example is ExxonMobil knowing about um, which sites were completely covered in ice and undrillable for oil, but they knew that if they bought them now at pennies on the dollar, 40 years later, due to climate change, they would be easily drillable. And so that's exactly what they did from their own incredibly <laughs> researched um, internal science. At the exact same time, they were funding all sorts of um, yeah, public leaders, scientific leaders, uh, to do scientific uh, experiments and to write papers in the top journals to show that global warming was not a problem, did not exist, that humans could never uh, really you know, impact mother nature. All of these old tropes were being used under the guise of science. And so that's just one example of, of, of many, but we see, you know, for example, the manufacture of uncertainty, also how industry undermines um, scientific protection of the public. And that's, for example, the indoor tanning industry um, and the American Sun Tanning Association spreading misinformation about the health benefits of artificial tanning um, in order to change norms that would disallow policies uh, you know, against sort of carte blanche uh, uh, marketing for for the industry, um, and and as you can see, you know, there there's many other um, ways in which 
uh, industry interferes. But Science can also protect the public by speaking out, right? And saying, hey, you know, thalidomide, which is supposed to help morning sickness in women, is actually producing uh, birth defects, right? And our science shows that, and we need to, you know, have policy change so that we're not, you know, creating tragedy for, for these families. And so industry uh, can harass scientists who speak out and they can retaliate uh, against the views, statements and research of scientists uh, that's inconvenient for their own position and their uh, short and long-term profit. For example, uh, GlaxoSmithKline uh, threatened to sue a scientist for seeing him to walk back his findings that one of the company's diabetes drugs was increasing patients' risk of heart disease, right? We're sort of in this, and I'll get back to this later, this whack-a-mole sort of chemical, but also medical industry where, you know, you take this drug to, you know, uh, like a diabetes drug to deal with a social disease. Diabetes is not uh, um, something that you get in indigenous uh, societies or in societies that haven't been industrialized. This is something that comes with white bread, sugar, high carbohydrate diets, low nutrient diets. It comes with the green revolution and uh, fertilizers and taking all of the uh, nutrients, uh, sort of the micronutrients out of the plants by feeding them too many macronutrients. You know, that's how you get diabetes. So when you take a diabetes drugs that's gonna give you heart disease, you know, you're just down this rabbit hole of like, you know, taking the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, but you're making your body closer to collapse with every drug you take in our current system. Uh, it doesn't just, have to be that way. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll mention one quick personal um, aspect of this. I, I was in medical school for a couple of years. And one of the things that drove me crazy and was actually a big part of why I left is being in the internal medicine wards and seeing really unhealthy, mostly obese people with diabetes, with heart disease, who were on, I almost couldn't believe this, 12, 15, 18 different prescription drugs for all of their different symptoms and all of their different diseases, being fed a typical, you know, Western diet, typical hospital food, garbage food, and being taught nothing about the actual causes of their conditions. And if I said anything, as I was in this environment as a student, if I said anything about the utter absurdity and insanity of that, I was looked at as the crazy one for suggesting that I knew better than, uh, than they, you know, how arrogant of me to suggest that, that I would know how to do things any better than the way that they were doing things. And I, uh, I mean, to me, it was just absolute madness and I, I couldn't take it anymore. Just an example as an example, you know how often I'm I hear this, about. Ari, from doctors or uh, you know uh, people who are have exited uh, the the medical world. It's you know the the inattention to the the whole environment, you know, mm -hmm. and all of our inputs, uh, all of our stimuli is just incredible. And this idea that we could have silver bullets, one size fits all. I'll just you know take this and call me in the morning. And in the last couple decades. You know, we have, I would say, in the forefront of um, uh, sort of 
you know, academic thought, we've gotten beyond that, right? There's this famous paper, uh, which, which I really, you know, appreciate, and, and it's called uh, Weird, you know, the weirdest people in the world. And it uh, stands for Western Educated um, Industrialized Rich Democracies, right? And it's by Joseph uh, Heinrich, uh, Stephen Heine, and um, Ara uh, Noren Zayen. And, you know, this paper and all of their subsequent work really looks at the fact that most of our most of our problems in terms of health, in terms of, um, you know, our, our, our physical, our mental, our emotional problems that really haunt us are industrial diseases, you know, and the, even the way we think is affected as a result. Um, and that, you know, we, we do these biological experiments on college kids, mostly from the U.S., uh, 90% from Western countries. And very few of the findings of these experiments are extrapolatable to, uh, to other populations. And even you could say, you know, if, if I have genes in one way um, and, you know, I have a gene mutation, maybe the same drug isn't gonna affect me. Or if I eat a certain thing in my diet, the medication may be only 50% as effective. And yet almost never is this sort of personalized medicine uh, looked at. And so here, here's sort of the, the aporia or here's the tension. On the one hand, we have this move to personalized medicine, right? You can have like gene-based medicine, which itself is mistaken because we're not just genes, we're primarily our environment. Genes matter, but our environment matters even more. On, and that's for the people who can pay for it, right? On the other hand, we are degrading our environmental commons, our health commons, even our, you know, our truth commons, our what we call uh, epistemic commons in philosophy. When we're in a society that's cre increasing our allostatic load to the breaking point for almost every single human being in that society, and then you're going to tell me, you're going to give me a pill and it's going to make it all better. I, I've never seen it work. I'll just say that. Yeah. Uh, for, for people listening, not familiar with that term, allostatic load is basically like total body stress load stressors from all causes you could say. So, uh, Yogi, do, do you want to, uh, did you talk about the last two on this list by credibility, manipulate government officials? Uh, I haven't, I'll just very quickly go through them. Yeah. So as, as the scientific community speaks out and says, Hey, we're killing ourselves by this thing that we thought was good because it's giving us certain benefits or at least some of us right we all like our devices i'm not about to you know give up my computer anytime soon but you know do i really need a new computer um every time mine breaks every two or three years like does it have to break you know why couldn't it be modular and i could just you know get a new camera or new screen you know easy instead of having you know the parts glued in uh, so it's impossible to repair um you know, oftentimes industry will harass the scientists, they'll buy credibility uh, by, um, you know, for example, British Petroleum uh, gave BP, gave uh, UC Berkeley uh, $500 million to create like an energy um, center, right? But it's very hard to think about uh, transitioning to renewables or to getting off our addiction to oil and gas when 
your funder is you know one of the biggest uh, oil companies on earth um it just you know makes it difficult and and bp can then say we're partnered with all of these extremely prestigious uh, institutions and we're going to you know put their logo on our website we're going to say you know the director of the institute that we funded at this top university thinks that it's fine to continue doing whatever we're doing whether it's um you know ddt or uh, fossil fuel production or you know uh, yeah drug manufacture of drugs that hurt people um yeah and, and this is a method and a mechanism to distract um from the real just the basic industry harms um perfect example in the 1960s fat came um you know under attack in the 80s because in the 60s sugar was under attack and people were trying to eat less sugar and the sugar industry uh paid these harvard scientists to say it's fat not sugar and of course you know these these scientists who got uh, they were pariahs for saying no sugar is causing metabolic disease a calorie is not a calorie is a calorie it's what matters what's put into it if you you know give somebody pure sugar in a coca-cola you know day in day out that is going to cause disease and instead they blame fat and so i grew up eating reduced fat everything and hating it because i was never actually satiated and satisfied and eating tons of sugar and feeling lightheaded all the time and that was entirely an industry agenda and and you know heroes one industry against another and they just happen to be more successful the, sh the sugar people but you know and a lot of our our laws also reflect industry interests you know finally uh, scientists can you know work with decision makers to implement public safeguards right clean our air clean our water make sure our food is not sprayed with pesticides that are going to you know uh, cause um, birth defects or going to cause cancers you know that seems like a pretty low bar um and yet you know industry manipulates government officials uh, and influences regulatory process with money resources or power oftentimes behind the scenes um and this just goes on and on and and i could give you you know countless examples of how this this works but for me you know after i don't know um uh yeah 16 years of looking at tens of thousands of industry documents from many different industries you know you see certain patterns occurring and when it occurred to me how much of our normal understanding of our culture of even you know our in the in the 60s they had um exxon sponsored uh, they were called humble oil back then disney comics they were teaching kids about energy and it was sponsored by exxon mobil and completely written by them you realize that pretty much everything we believe and think and know is industry agenda. We've been gaslit all the way down. It's brought to you by da, 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 with brought to you by so and so industry without you realizing it. Well, that's the, the even more potent way of doing it, right? Where right. you don't even it's seamless. The yes. the virtual reality aspect of being in another sort of framework doesn't even come to consciousness because we're so embedded in it at this point. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question that you're not going to like, and you're going to be resistant to it. 
because you're an academic and you're a professor and you're a scientist and you're not going to like it. Okay. But I'm going to ask it anyway. There are some people who are going to hear everything you just said and will still kind of conclude, okay, well, maybe there's a few examples of these things here and there. Okay. But by and large, science is this, you know, beautiful entity that's bringing us the truth. And, you know, these industries are, are working towards our benefit and pharmaceutical companies are, you know, we can trust their science. And um, thanks for your question, Ari. And uh, I'm going to, you know, raise you an ace. Um, <laughs> so uh, Naomi Oreskes and Eric Conway write in their book, Merchants of Doubt, that it's not just financial interests, it's mm. also ideological interests. Okay. Right? It's the cold warriors who, you know, feared any sort of impingement upon individual liberty. A very, you could say, state of exception, war driven, anti communist notion that they basically saw any sort of environmentalism, taking care of the environment, taking care of our own surroundings as uh, watermelon work, right? Green on the outside, red on the inside, right? That any sort of social program or social welfare was actually communist, right? Mm -hmm. So you get these false equivalencies all the way down. And what's super interesting for me is that their book and many others, uh, colleagues of mine, you know, uh, Naomi Oreskes is, is one of uh, my, my heroines that I really uh, look up to, um, show that ideology plays a huge role. You know, we know that now if you're researching food in top medical journals, you have to disclose your own diet because, mm. um, you know, uh, not, it's not just enough. Uh, the fact that there are studies saying mangoes are good for everything funded by the mango industry. <laughs> and yes, there apparently is a mango industry, but um, this question of belief in science really is, again, like realizing that we've been gaslit all the way down by for profit at the expense of collective health agendas, mm -hmm. um, you know, goes even deeper, right? It's the, the idea that science needs to have triangulation, right? We need, I, I would say you can never read one study and draw a conclusion from it. But as far as I can say from my own point of view as a scientist, you know who is working for whom, what their agenda is, and how good they are. Mm -hmm. If they're sloppy with certain work, you know, my, my work on tanning beds uh, with, you know, our, our lead author, uh, Lenny Linos, a professor at Stanford who uh, led this study, you know, she has been working on tanning beds and, and, and cancer and sun exposure and cancer for decades. And she has done it at the top universities in the world. She has um, put herself, put her neck out and gotten you know personally attacked uh, for some of the the papers that she's written and made, and that's usually a good sign if if somebody's getting attacked by the industry. Um, <laughs> you know, to be honest, I've had Philip Morris uh, write hit pieces on me, for example, and so that's usually a sign of cred in my book. That was part of a conversation between Ari Witten and environmental philosopher and public health scientist. Professor Yogi Hendlern. I highly recommend to listen to the full 90-minute conversation. It is posted free on YouTube on 
the Energy Blueprint Podcast under the title How Science is Manipulated by Industry. You can hear this program again for free on TUC Radio's website tucradio.org. Look at the newest programs or the podcast page. Our email address is tuc at tucradio.org. My name is Maria Gelarden. Thank you for listening.